Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Thanks for being with us alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross. Glad to have you along for the ride. you to be a part of the conversation. You can join us on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business. Check them out online at cspire.com slash business. In just a moment, we will blitz our way through the weekend. But first, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, good afternoon to you. It's great to be here. It is good to be here on a Monday. What a genuine pleasure to be with you again. Hey, Haydad, the Saints won, and they looked good, and they played well. What? Well, after a Saturday... After a Saturday chock full of misery, uh, the good Lord decided to grant me a bone and give me the Saints on uh, on Sunday. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate it. Yes, he did. And also gave you a couple of days with highs in the upper 40s, low 50s. I mean, it's like when it rains blessings on you, hey, Dad, they just don't stop. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> okay. Let's, uh, let's hit the road running. Let's blitz. Going all the way back to Tuesday night when this week started, Liberty moved to 8-0 on the year with a 42-29 win over Western Kentucky. A decent Western Kentucky team. Amy Chadwell doing a good job at Liberty in year number one. Uh, setting up a battle of the Gamecocks this weekend, Jacksonville State, led by Rich Rodriguez, Got a 41-16 win over Florida International. Jacksonville State is now 7-2, and and they head to Columbia, South Carolina to take on the other Gamecocks this weekend. That could be interesting. Upset alert in Columbia, buddy. Lane Stadium looked like the old Lane Stadium. I'm sorry, what was that? What were you, sn- what were you smelling there? Ooh. I'm smelling something. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Virginia Tech 38-10 over Syracuse. The uh, the Hokies playing pretty well as of late. Uh, they have won, what, three of their last four after a uh, not great start to the season. The win over Syracuse before that, it was a win over Wake Forest. They lost to Florida State, but they also beat Pittsburgh. So that's three out of four wins 
for the Hokies. Played pretty decent football. Uh, Florida Atlantic beat Charlotte 38-16 to over the weekend. Not entirely sure why I included that in the rundown. Oh, I know. Tom Herman, head coach at FAU. His team is now 4-4. Four and four Tom Herman? Tom Herman? Also, your buddy uh, Biff, after the game, suspended a handful of players. Didn't really say why, but it seems like it was a performance-based suspension for, for some of his players. Well... Also, that that was your fishy line. You got it. You nailed it. Uh, Yeah, yeah. That one. um, I I hope that. I hope you cash that ticket late Friday night or early Saturday morning. Uh, Another team that's putting up points out of the American SMU, sixty-nine to ten over Tulsa. Brett Lashley's got SMU off to a six and two start this year. Their quarterback Preston Stone was fifteen of twenty. For 371 yards and three touchdowns. Told you in our watchability scale on Friday that in the early window, maybe the most watchable game was Oklahoma at Kansas. Well, turned out to be a true statement. Kansas jumped out to an early lead. Oklahoma stormed back. But in the end, it was Kansas 38-33, giving the Sooners their first loss of the season. Backup quarterback Jason Bean at KU was 15 of 32 for 218 yards. He threw two interceptions and a couple of big runs in that ball game. Knows playing really well right now. The Florida State Seminoles. They are now 8-0 after demolishing Wake Forest over the weekend. 41-16. First win over Wake Forest since 2018 for FSU. Jordan Travis threw for 359 and three touchdowns with no picks in the game. Penn State sleptwalked its way to a 33-24 win over Indiana. You know what Penn State actually did in the game? They threw the ball deep. They did. And it was caught. It was a 57-yard touchdown pass. Good win, I guess, for Penn State to move to 7-1, and one, or at least not a bad loss. Got some time to change their signs, too, before the Michigan game. Big one for both teams. Yeah, it's going to be a really, really big one. And maybe the biggest challenge so far this year for Michigan team that is playing really well right now in the Big 12, the Kansas State Jay, uh, Wildcats. Not the Jayhawks, the Wildcats. Hey, both, though. Plus to both. Don't, both don't make the same mistake like that Fox announcer did. Don't do that. 41 nothing. Kansas State over Houston. Dana Holgerson's team going down in a big way on the road in the Little Apple. Will Howard, quarterback for Kansas State, 15 of 17 for 164 yards with a couple of touchdowns in the ball game. West Virginia didn't even have to do... play Mississippi State to get those kind of numbers. Man. Mm, how about that? And, and they've been alternating quarterbacks. Will Howard went the distance in that game for uh, for K-State. They've got a massive game coming up against Texas this weekend. Yeah. The uh, the roller coaster for West Virginia kind of continues. They, they went on the road to Orlando. A pretty impressive win over UCF, 41-28. The Mountaineers are now five and three on the year. John Rice Plumley in the loss, twenty-five of thirty-six, two seventy-four, three touchdowns, but he also threw three interceptions in the game, leading to the West Virginia win. Texas A&M thirty to seventeen over South Carolina. South Carolina jumped out to an early seven nothing lead. Texas A&M scored twenty-one unanswered, and then kind of a blah second half with these two teams. South Carolina outscored A&M. 10-9 in the second half. Of course, A&M 
will be in Oxford this weekend to take on Ole Miss. Spencer Rattler, 20 of 33, but just for 176 yards. Max Johnson, 20 of 30, 249, and a touchdown. Northwestern is now 4 and 4. Northwestern. Three more wins than coach. all wins. All wins in the continental United States as well. Every single one of them. It, yeah. It's it's incredible. Uh, 33-27, Northwestern over Maryland. Impressive win. You know who wasn't impressive? Michael Borky's Clemson Tigers. They just took their fourth ACC yeah. loss on the road against NC State. The Wolfpack winning at 24-17. Clemson falls to 4-4 four and four on the year. Dabo's got that bandwagon right where he wants it. Nobody on it. Good for him. Back-to-back losses for Clemson to Miami and NC State, both on the road in the last two weeks. Congratulations, Clemson. Now you got Notre Dame coming to town. Good luck with that. $115 million on that contract. Every cent is guaranteed to hit the bank account of one Dabo Sweeney. Uh, He's not going anywhere. Oh, heck no. Dickery, Dickery Doc. 42 over North Texas in Denton. Wild final five minutes, really wild final minute in that ball game. North Texas took the lead with 47 seconds to go. 35 seconds later, Memphis countered with a touchdown from Seth Hennigan. That was with 12 seconds remaining, and the Tigers escaped with a win. Nebraska is now 5-3. The Cornhuskers with a 31-14 win over Purdue. They are one win away from bowl eligibility with Michigan State, Maryland, Wisconsin, and Iowa on the schedule. 3-1 and one finish, not out of the question for Matt Rule and Nebraska in year number one. Uh, Iowa State now 5-3 and three with a 30-18 win over Baylor. Minnesota gets the W, 27-12 over Michigan State. If you like the under in that ball game, that was a good play. Michigan, uh, Michigan State uh, still winless since the departure of Mel Tucker. Louisville, 23 to nothing overdue. Remember a couple of weeks ago when Louisville got throttled by Notre Dame? That's a yeah. really good win. How good was it? Well, it was Louisville's defense that was the difference. Duke did not run a play on the plus side of the field in this ballgame. They did not cross midfield in the game. UTSA now forty uh, now 5-3 on the year. They win 41-27 over East Carolina. Frank Harris is healthy and playing well through for 395 yards and four touchdowns in the win. Perhaps the most dominating performance of the weekend belonged to the Oregon Ducks. 35-6. Yeah. On the road against Utah, Utah doesn't lose at home. They'd won 29 of their last 30 at Rice-Eccles Stadium. They get 29 of their last 31. Bo Nix and the Ducks were really, really good. We headed towards a Washington-Oregon rematch in the Pac-12 championship game? No doubt. That's exactly what we are headed for. For the playoff. Right? I mean, winner goes to the playoff in that uh, scenario. Maybe. Yes. Maybe. Yes. We'll see what else happens yes. between now and the end of the year. Let's squeeze one more in, and then we'll finish up the blitz after the break. Texas 35, BYU 6. The Longhorns are now 7-1, and one, and they have their biggest challenge since traveling to Tuscaloosa with Kansas State coming up this weekend. Uh, the backup quarterback, Malik Murphy, threw for 170 yards and a couple of touchdowns 
in the wind. More of the Blitz when we come back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We'll get to the games from this weekend from our home state coming up in just a minute, but let's finish up the Blitz as we bounce all around the country from the weekend that was Interesting game in the ACC. Virginia is playing better football. But did you expect them to go on the road and take Miami to overtime? That's exactly what they did the week after beating North Carolina in Chapel Hill. They go to South Florida but lose 29-26 in overtime to the Miami Hurricanes. Biggest beatdown of the weekend? Most lopsided win? Probably Notre Dame. Hosting Pittsburgh 58-7. And they did that despite the fact that Sam Hartman was very, very average. No touchdown passes, three interceptions in the game. And don't think someone's 58 to 7. You might have a mutiny on Pat Narduzzi, by the way. Did you see his postgame comments? Did he say uh, hard to win when you have trash players or something like that? He said, uh, we thought we brought, because he was talking about replacing mm-hmm. players from last year's team. He said, we thought we brought in good players to replace them, but clearly that's not the case. That gets quoted, put on Twitter, and his players were uh, not really pleased seeing that from their head coach on that website. So, yeah, yeah. Play better. Coach better. $6 million man. Uh, Appalachian State, 48-38 over Southern Miss. Obviously a loss. That's disappointing. Southern Miss falls to 1-7 and seven on the year. But an offensive sighting by the Golden Eagles. They put 38 on the board in the loss. Appalachian State scored the final 17 points of this game. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Uh, all in the fourth quarter. And that turned out to be the difference in the ballgame. Cocktail party in Jacksonville. Florida scored first, but that was about it. Georgia 43, Florida 20. Homecoming game for Carson Beck. He threw for 315 yards and a couple of touchdowns in the win. Tough little stretch right now for Georgia. They got Missouri this weekend, then Ole Miss, then Tennessee before meeting up with Georgia Tech in the series finale. Southern Cal, 50-49. to They get the win over Cal in Berkeley. Pre-game protest. Start of the game was delayed because there was a protest on the 50-yard line of the football field. I thought they like hung up in the trees up on the hillside to protest. But well, I'm sure they accomplished something. Yeah, they accomplished getting arrested when it was all said and done. Cal went for two on the uh, 50 or seconds or so left in the game, did not convert, and Southern Cal escaped with the win. A couple of touchdown passes and 369 yards through the air. For Caleb Williams, Marshawn Lloyd was good. Had 115 yards and a couple of touchdowns on the ground. Tulane had to hang on for dear life. That's exactly what they did to uh, stay just one loss on the year. They're now 7-1 and one after a 30-28 to 28 win in Houston over the Rice Owls. Rice falls to 4-4. Four and four. Arkansas State, 34-24. Are the Red Wolves in the process of saving Butch Jones' job? They got the 34-24 win over ULM to even their record at 500 for the season. 
Uh, Tennessee went to Lexington, and they won 33-27 over Kentucky in a game where both starting quarterbacks played perhaps the best they have played all season long. Joe Milton, 18 of 21, 228 yards and a touchdown. Devin Leary, 28 of 39, 372 yards and two touchdowns. Devin Leary and the Wildcats headed to Starkville this weekend to take on Mississippi State. Uh, Washington played with its food for a long time, but they remain undefeated with a 42-33 win over Stanford. Michael Penix Jr. threw for four touchdowns and 369 yards in the win. Air Force stays undefeated in the snow, 30-13. They're now 8-0, the win over Colorado State. Colorado State, by the way, called for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty after multiple requests over the PA system for fans not to throw snowballs at the Air Force players. They finally got tagged with a 15-yard penalty. They hate the, the troops there at Colorado fans. State. Clearly. You know, the snowballs hurt when you get on a helmet and shoulder pads, but uh, glad they got that nonsense stopped. Uh, Ohio State on the road against Wisconsin. This just in, Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr., really good player. 24-10, Buckeyes stay undefeated on the year, now 8-0. and UCLA 28-16, a win at home over Colorado. Shadur Sanders was sacked seven times in the ball game, and uh, Dion kind of threw his offensive line under the bus after it was all said and done as well. James Madison undefeated. They win 30 to 27. Maybe their biggest test so far this year. Uh, the win over Old Dominion. Arizona State 38 27 over Washington State. And uh, Washington State's now lost four in a row. UCLA, Arizona, Oregon, and Arizona State. Guess good news for them. They've got Stanford coming up this week. Second loss in a row for the North Carolina Tar Heels as Georgia Tech gets them 46-42. Tech has been uh, kind of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde this season, but they get the win over Carolina, who falls to 6-2 and on the year. Jake Drake made a couple of touchdown passes. Oklahoma State playing great football right now. They absolutely crushed Cincinnati in the second half. Outscored them 35-6 to in the second half after taking a 10-7 lead into the locker room en route to a 45-13 win. They are now 6-2 on the year. Arizona upsets Oregon State 27-24. Is it the Beavers or the Ducks? The announcers seem to have a bit of an issue with that. Nice job, Brian Custer. Um, Noah Fafita outplayed DJ Uyunglele. At 275 yards and three touchdowns in the win. And finally, Bruce Marshall gave you this one on Friday. Hope you took advantage. San Jose State in the islands, 35-0 over Hawaii. And that is your blitz. You called Georgia Tech Jekyll and Hyde, buddy. They are unbelievably consistent. Loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. Mm -hmm. They win their even number of games. They lose their odd number of games. It's a perfect pattern. And they're really good against ranked teams, so I can't wait for the game with Georgia at the end of the season. <laughs> That'll be an even number game. It's an even Is number that a game. Win or a loss. That's a that's a, a win, right? That would be a win. Yeah. Well, that would be something on the final weekend of the regular season if it played out that way. The math checks out. A little out. bit of chaos, why not? Yeah. Yes, yes, it absolutely could lead to some chaos. Thanks for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We need to get to the games uh, involving teams from the Magnolia State. We start on the Plains. That's where Mississippi State was this weekend. 
and Bulldogs lose. It was, um, <laughs> I was trying to decide how to get into, like, I didn't want to, like, just pile adulation on Auburn. That didn't seem like the right way to begin the conversation. So just very uh, the, fact. the announcers, gosh, I know that they have to do this. I know they do, but I was get I was cracking up, man, with the Oh wow, we haven't seen Auburn's offense click like this in weeks. Oh, where has this Auburn offense been? Wow, uh, Hugh Freeze has really made some adjustments. It's like, guys, it's it's because they haven't played a, a defense like this in weeks. So they had opening drive of the game. Auburn jumps out to a lead with a eight-play, seventy-five-yard drive, uh, touchdown pass to start it, seven to nothing. State completed its first pass. It was a throw down the field. Really nice catch by Xavier Thomas. Um, drive finishes with a field goal. But that would be all the scoring for Mississippi State in the first half. Auburn got a forty-five-yard touchdown pass from Peyton Thorne to uh, Javarius Johnson. And then they kicked a 39-yard field goal, and then Jeremiah Cobb with nine seconds to go in the half ran it in. So there were defensive issues, clearly, for Mississippi State. But the defense for State got put into some bad positions by let's just call it what it was. Really poor play at the quarterback position from Mike Wright, especially as it pertained to to when he was supposed to give the ball and when he was supposed to pull it. He just made some really bad decisions that gave Auburn more opportunities they should than they should have and just led to like really poor execution by Mississippi State in the first half. I mean, it was a total systemic failure. Offense, defense, uh, no, nothing went Mississippi State's way. Uh, as as Borky made the comment that the announcers were, were saying, you know, I don't know where this Auburn offense has been. Well, it's been waiting to see Mississippi State, which is the worst defense in the conference. The main takeaway I had from this game on Saturday, by the way, is that Arkansas should just go ahead and fire Sam Pittman because if that's how your offense plays against this defense, just get out. You don't deserve to be coaching football anymore. Um, offensively, though, you're you're right. I thought I thought. You know, I think because State is it's so limited offensively that Barbe can never really get into a, a a rhythm calling plays. You know, they 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 put themselves behind the chains too often through their own mistakes or through penalties. But then when they do get a play off, and they have a chance to make a big play, they overthrow it, they underthrow it, they miss a receiver, they miss a block. Uh, like you said, Wright makes a bad decision. I mean, it's just. It, it just went poorly for Mississippi State from start to finish, and uh, now this team is is looking like one that will not finish the season very strong at all. I will give credit and shame at the exact same time. I think there are two guys that have the ability to change the game with the ball in their hands. Avion Thomas is one of them. He had nine catches for 112 yards. That was great. That's fantastic. Tula Griffin, though, touched the ball twice in the running game. And he had three catches. Five touches is not enough for him. It's not enough for him. We'll be back. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, 
Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Thanks for being with us, Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. So let's kind of do this in two parts. Let's talk about Mississippi State's defense first, and then we'll talk about the offense. Obviously, concerns about the defense. They give up over 400 yards to an offense that had been non-existent for much of the season. Jarquez Hunter in the backfield was bumping and grinding all over the field for Auburn. He hasn't had that much action since Instagram this summer. 17 carries, 144 yards. I thought I'd at least get a giggle. All you did was take the headphones oh. off and... Oh, God. Borky didn't even chuckle. Ah. 186 yards rushing for Auburn net. Peyton Thorne, 20 of 26 for 230 yards and three touchdowns. I mean... That may be the problem right there. At, at no point this season, absent the Samford game, did Peyton Thorne look like he was comfortable throwing the football at all. I mean... You, you, and he can't help it. It's his face. But his face even looks like he's scared on the field. And to to have a guy that has struggled so much with consistent passing of the football and a group of wide receivers that would anybody in the SEC trade for? I mean, even Vanderbilt's got a dude that's going to play in the NFL. And he put up that efficiency in those numbers despite that. It's a stunning Thorne, indictment on Mississippi State's defense. Peyton Thorne has thrown for over 200 yards twice this season. He threw for 282 against Samford, and he goes for 230 against Mississippi State. The other games, 141 against UMass, 94 against Cal, 44 against A&M, 82 against Georgia, 102 against LSU, and an even 100 against Ole Miss. Opposing quarterbacks are completing 73% of their passes against Mississippi State. So Devin Leary and uh, Max Johnson and whoever USM wants to throw out there, and God help us, Jackson Dart. Can't wait to see what happens there. What was different about State's defense in the second half? Because they only gave up three points in the second half after kind of getting shredded in the first half. It Was, was it... Tend, did, did Auburn tend to play think a different it was more style than, in the second half? I, I think Auburn slowed down a good bit and, and just because I, I think they knew State wasn't going to get 27 points. So, Hugh, now, I actually I liked and I didn't like what he had to say about that because he was asked about that, the conservatism in the second half, and he said, well, one, you realize we had one possession in the third quarter, right? I mean, and what happened on that possession? Got points. And then he went down uh, the, their fourth quarter possessions where the field position was really bad. They had a first down completed that was called back on a holding. And basically he was like, you guys want to come to the whiteboard and tell me how we were conservative? But he kept saying, I, 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 I was conservative. I completed a pass. I punted. And then we had a penalty. That cracked me up. The good things were him anyway. But he would tell you that Auburn didn't slow down. It's just the game got weird with one third-quarter possession and then weird field position in the fourth. When you're up three scores, you don't have to just let it fly anymore. Hmm. What about offensively? 
Well, I mean, you, you see why Will Rogers was the starting quarterback now. I mean, say what you want about Mike Wright and what he can do on the ground. He, he can't move the ball through the air. He, when he, I feel like when he does complete a pass, it's 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 almost as much luck as anything else. He, he's just not an accurate passer. Um, I feel like State had some play calling issues in terms of, I mean, like the fourth and short. I don't I don't like a read option there. Just hand the ball off, or better yet, get under center and sneak it. But that that's that's a bad call. I, I thought State. They were sometimes they tried to be a little too fancy, but then again, like I, like we said earlier, there were times where they they had the right play call dialed up, and and they they just didn't execute it. So, I mean, this is just a bad offensive football team right now. I mean, I, and I say right now, I don't see it getting any better. Um, you know, marks being out obviously hurt a ton. You know, but at the same time, you know, we talked all this offseason about state having depth in the running back room with, with you know with Kevon Lee who. Who transferred in and has really done nothing? State's transfer portal, by the way, what a train wreck! Not a single true contributor from anybody in the transfer portal this past offseason. Um, I mean, Mike that goes Wright's a long a way as to why. I mean, what does that say? What does that say? If that's that's the biggest contributor you've got out of the transfer portal, that's that's not good. Um, it's just a bad football team. And when you watch this team this weekend, there's no way that's the only conclusion you can come away with that you know they should be able to beat Southern Mississippi in a couple of weeks. But beyond that, I mean, they're they're an underdog this week. They'll be an underdog at A and M. They'll be a double digit underdog to Ole Miss when the Egg Bowl rolls around. And then you'll have to make a decision there at the end of the season. And I, I think the decision is kind of sort of showing itself in the way that if, if, I mean, if you watch that game and you watch Zach Arnett, I mean. It was depressing. He's just standing there on the sideline, arms folded. He's not really talking to anybody. He's got his his you know microphone up on his headset most of the time, so he's not he's not conversating with anybody. Players come off the field. He's not really saying anything to them. He's not really talking to his assistants. He's just kind of standing there watching the game. And I I you know I I know Zach Arnett and I watched him coach the previous three seasons, and that is not that's not Zach Arnett. That is not him out there. And I, I, you just, I feel his discomfort right now. Let me ask you this: you, you have, you've been beating this drum for a while, hey, Dad, that, um, that Zach Arnett does not look like the Zach Arnett that you know, that, that you've watched in mm-hmm. previous years. Do you right. think somebody got to him and said, "Hey, you're a head coach now. This is how you have to be a head coach." Yes. Yes. I think I think that's been ongoing. I think that's been ongoing. I think if you look back at early in the season when people asked him about injuries, he would tell you. He would tell you what the injury is. Like, hey, yeah, this, yeah, he's out. He's not going to play this week. And now it's turned into, well, we'll evaluate them day to day. And you know, somebody said, hey, you're you're giving away too much information. I, I, nobody's just letting the man be himself. I feel like, and I don't know who that is, but they've done Zach Arnett a huge disservice, in my opinion. Does he have the aha moment where he wakes up or is sleeping, can't sleep in the middle of the night and is lying there staring at the ceiling and goes, you know what, I'm a head coach in the SEC. If, if this works out, great. If it doesn't work out, it's going to not work out with me doing it my way. Does that happen? That's what, 
That needs to happen. I don't know if it's going to. There's only four weeks left in the season. But it needed. in any situation, you got to be yourself. Yourself is what got you to the dance. You know, you got, he, he didn't get to where he is by acting the way he does now. That's not the Zach Arnett we, we've seen in the past. So I, I don't know what the thought process was, but, you know, not that he was successful in Mississippi State, but Joe Moorhead always said, I have 51% of the vote. What's somebody going to say to him? Somebody's telling him, oh, I think you should do this. What's somebody going to do if he says, well, no, I'm not going to do that? What are they going to do physically, mentally? Are they going to fire him? No. So so you think he's getting be yourself. pulled in, in a lot of directions by people around and he is allowing them to pull him in those directions, basically? That's what it feels like. Because this is because and that's the only evidence I have is I've seen Zach Arnett coach. I've talked to Zach Arnett. I've interviewed him, and the the guy that we see at these press conferences, the guy that I'm seeing on the sidelines, is not the same guy that I saw last year. It's not. C Smart text line six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five George. A little, little harsh here. He says, I really can't figure it out. The coaching staff has had a year to get their team ready for football this year. Have they done anything to get the team ready? Is Mississippi State the new Vanderbilt? Vanderbilt's still Vanderbilt, first of all. I mean. Mississippi State is not the new Vanderbilt. But this is a, a, a very, is tumultuous the right word? Because, as Haydad pointed out, they didn't really lean on the portal heavily anyway, and those evaluations didn't work out. In the recruiting class right now, and I know you know you can develop and stuff and diamonds in the rough, is awful for an SEC West team. It's not good. At the moment. It's not good. Yeah. And so you've got this cycle now in this new era of college football where you're going to lose a bunch of players off this roster, and you have to... Acquire talent somehow, whether it be in recruiting or via transfer portal. You know what that takes now? Money. But if I'm a big booster of Mississippi State, I'm not giving you my money right now. The product is awful. The team should be better than this. I'll give my money to a new guy. And so then the current guy can't dip into the portal and retool his roster because he didn't have the money. And it's this cycle that is being created in this new era of don't have enough money to retool the roster. And so... The coach's hands are going to be tied in roster building, but that's going to lead to losses. It's it's kind of a mess in this new era when you're in a purgatory situation like this. And, hey, Dad, we've talked a lot about strategy, and, and we'll have to pick this up when we come back, but the strategy that Mississippi State largely employed was to make sure that it held on to players who had shown contributions on the field. I listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Out of time before the break, kind of directing a question to Hayda. We were talking, I mean, a lot during the summer, and and really even going back to last spring, about NIL strategy and the way you build roster and how you use the resources that you've got to the best of your ability and all of those things. And a lot of Mississippi State's early focus 
was on keeping the players that were on the roster and I don't know if rewarding is the right way to describe it, but yeah, choose the word you want. Retaining, maybe that's the, the way to describe it. And then high school kids, transfer portal, whatever. I, I don't know. Does there have to be a different strategy, hey, Dad? But Because you talked about no-impact players through the transfer portal. Does that mean you're not getting the right guys, not choosing to pay the guys that you need to pay? What, what does it mean? Well, it's a little of both. They, they, I mean, they, they obviously missed on some guys. A guy like Rylan Gody coming into the transfer portal has given State really nothing this year. You're eight games in, he doesn't have a catch. I don't know that he's been targeted, to be totally honest with you. And then what he gives you in the running game, he has not been a great blocker as well. Jaquarius Spivey, the NCAA, has, has taken him off of your hands. Uh, Jacoby Albert's a guy I think they were counting on to play this year, but he got injured in fall camp and has been out for the season. So you got some guys like that, but then you have some other guys who they just haven't done anything. You know, Kamari Rogers, Radar Jones, Chris Keyes, these are guys they brought in to compete in the secondary. And even going back a year, you know, Jordan Morant and Hunter Washington haven't been great for Mississippi State uh, either. This upcoming signing class, you know, you don't have as much opportunity to retain guys because. So many of these guys are just now they're just out of eligibility. Now, Will Rogers could come back, but I don't think that he will. Uh, but Buki Watson, Jet Johnson, Pickering, Jade Crumity, it's time for them. They're, they're going to be moving on at, at this point. You know, from a re- retention standpoint, I think State would probably be most focused on Xavier Thomas. And then if Tulu Griffin decides to come back for another year, which I would be, I, I would be surprised by that. I think the NFL is, is a place he can go. I think he can get drafted. He's, I don't know if he's got enough on tape. I feel like when you finally see him in the NFL and somebody puts the ball in his hands, he goes to a place like Miami or something, where you're, Mississippi State fans are going to be looking at themselves going, what did we have that we didn't use? Because I know he's a talented football player. So I, I do think that this year, when you talk about NIL and the portal, it's going to be more about getting guys into Mississippi State because you need impact guys this year. If Tulu Griffin doesn't go the draft route, if he's not getting the feedback, that he believes gets him a good enough draft grade to be a top three-round draft pick. Does he leave to go somewhere where they're going to use him and get the ball to him so that he can build a resume? That's that's the, that's the right question because it's going to be – I'm going to make an assumption here that there's a change. Make that assumption. It's going to be on the new coach to sell to Lou Griffin on the idea that – this, what we're going to do offensively is going to be built around you and Xavier Thomas. Because those are the two best playmakers State has. Yes. Those are the two guys that State, that's the two guys that you need to build your offense around. So and, that'll and, be, hey, that'll be the sell job. Otherwise, yeah, he's going to, he would move on. Well, and there's also a financial sell job. A guy like him in the SEC would get a lot of money at a lot of places to go play. I mean, that, that's, that's reality. If you think yeah. that he's not going to get tampered with, with or without a coaching change, doesn't matter. I, I would, my guess would be it's already happening. If not, kudos to him for being able to block all that out because I bet there are a bunch of staffs around the country and in this conference that want to talk to him and say, hey, we got money for you and a bunch of targets, a lot more than what you're currently getting. So that's something that they're going to have to fight too. That's the, that's the thing in this new era, and I know why people don't like it, but. It, I mean, 
You've got to renegotiate contracts at the end of every season. You're good players. Ole Miss has them. Alabama has them. A&M has them. Everybody has them. That at the end of the season, they like where they are. They're good players. They're happy in your offense. They're happy at your school. But you're going to have to, not you, the collective, is going to have to sit down with them and renegotiate a contract. It's just like the NFL, but it's an annual thing as opposed to a four- or five-year thing. But I want to go back to what Haydad said a second ago. And, and hey, Dan, it, I'm not the smartest football guy. We all watch it. We all like it. But you don't have to be a rocket surgeon to see that Tulu Griffin and Xavier Thomas are the two best playmakers. And that's not new. It's, it's, it's not new. It's like you, you look at this thing, you're like, why for two years running? I mean, a year ago, they weren't even on the field when they needed to be on the field. This year, at least they're on the field. Get them the freaking football. And they did that with Thomas some. Right? He had nine catches for 112 yards. Go figure. Yeah. Paul and Brandon, what's a rocket surgeon? Come on, man. Yes, I said rocket surgeon. Come on, guys. Come on. I knew what you meant. Tell me I'm not crazy, though. No, you're not crazy. Like, that, like, hey, the the you, team you, should be built you, around those two. You, you cover Mississippi State, but you are also a Mississippi State fan. Do you not bang your head against the wall going, give those guys the ball? All right. Four o'clock hour coming up. Sports up. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Four o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You want to be part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Connect and protect. That's the plan that gives your kids the phone or device that they want, and it gives you the peace of mind that you need because your kids are protected. Learn more online at ceasefire.com. Ceasefire, customer inspired. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sportsbook, the Golden Moon Casino. Get in on the action at the sportsbook inside the Golden Moon. To learn more, you can check out pearlriverresort.com. Hey, Dad, one last thing for me. I, I, I know I've been beating this drum. I've been beating this drum for two years. And I do, I mean, I feel like everything we do ultimately comes down to a comparison between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I'm not trying to do that here. I'm just trying to compare similar players. And when I think about Tulu Griffin, if I am an opposing defensive coordinator and he is used properly, he keeps me awake at night. Because I know Mm -hmm. every time he touches the ball, He's got a chance to take it to the house. I've seen it. You've seen it. So, do you know the player that I'm going to compare him to? 
R- R- recent Ole Miss player. Oh, uh, McCluster? No. But well, far more okay. recent than that. Elijah Moore. Yeah. Is that, a, is that a reasonable comparison? I think Elijah Moore is a little bit more skilled as a receiver than is Tulu Griffin. Okay. I think Tulu Griffin's more of a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. I, I yeah. compare Tulu to Dexter McCluster a lot. I, I said a couple years ago that when when they had him out of that outside receiver position and they wasn't getting on the field, that maybe they should consider moving him to the backfield just to make sure he gets touches. I think he could do that, but so he, he, I just he's he's just more just a little bit more explosive. I mean, I, I thought Elijah Moore he he caught he would catch the deep ball. But I, was Elijah Moore as much like catch the short pass and take it 60, 70 yards as as Tula Griffin can be if used properly? It was kind of all of the above. With, uh-huh. with Moore, it was kind of all of the above. I mean, they would line him up in the backfield. They'd move him into the slot. They'd move him to the outside, you know, drag routes across the middle. He took some big shots. You, you're right in that he turned into a really good route runner. He, he became a precise route runner to go along with his quickness and his speed, and that was a great differentiator. But the bottom line is, he was the guy that Lane Kiffin believed had the ability to beat defenses. And so it was, how do we scheme balls into his hand? 2020, in eight games, Elijah Moore had 100 touches. He carried the ball 14 times and had 86 receptions. So 100 touches in eight games, that's an average of what, like 11 and a half per game, I think? Mm-hmm. No, 12 again. 12 yeah. point something per game. 12 point, like one or two, yeah. Yeah. So 12, 12. touches a game. Yeah. Tulu Griffin this year, actually, let's go back a year. So in Mike Leach's offense a year ago, Tulu Griffin did not carry the ball a single time. And we're yeah. talking offensive possession. Special teams a little bit different. I mean, I wasn't counting Elijah Moore's special teams touches. And, and so a year ago, he had 40 catches. In what world does it make sense for Rufus Harvey, Woody Marks, Dylan Johnson, Caleb Ducking, and Ra Ra Thomas to all have more catches than Tulu Griffin? Would be my argument. 40 catches in 13 right. games a year ago. And I mean, so Rufus an Harvey, I like Rufus. I liked Rufus, but if Tula Griffin is in the slot and you give him 50 catches, you probably get a lot more than the, the 10 yards a catch that Rufus Harvey gave you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so he averaged three touches a game last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This year that number has basically doubled. He's got 13 carries and 35 catches. So that's 48 in eight games. So he's averaging six touches offensively per game. Mm-hmm. It's not enough. And but, but, but what I'm getting at is why is it that you see that and I see that and Borky sees that and most state fans see that, but the guys who are being paid either hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to coach this team don't see it. Why? That, that, like, I cannot wrap my mind around it. Well, it's and, not and, really within the scheme. Well, that's stupid. You need to come up with another scheme if it doesn't involve getting your best player the ball more times. Especially when that was the hallmark of what we were told about this offense 
prior to the start of the season. And now, right now, like getting the ball into playmakers' hands is kind of the defense that stops any offense for me. It's just something they, that they made up and said. So, for me, though, I, 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 what I, I think people might try to counter is like, well, you know, there's probably some plays they've drawn up where Rodgers took a sack or couldn't. Make it, you got to make it simpler. You got to find easier ways to get the ball. I mean, the state doesn't. There's not enough quick passes to Tulu Griffin. Quick screens. Set something up and just get him the ball at the line of scrimmage and let him make a man miss, which he can do. So yeah, I mean, yeah, if you could get, if I could get Tulu Griffin 10, 12 touches a game, and if I could get Xavier Thomas another another eight, 10 touches a game, I feel like I'm going to have some total offense there. I know it's a different thing, kind of apples to oranges, but did you see how the Saints used Alvin Kamara yesterday? The the air the air yards on his receptions are basically nothing. Yeah. It's it's short little and I know he's a running Dump back, it but off still and let him go. Short little stuff. Just get him the ball in space and he will go to work. And it worked for them yesterday. I actually didn't see it because the local games were not the Saints. So Yeah. Shout out to the local Fox uh, affiliate for uh airing the Cowboys, the Cowboys yesterday. That's yeah. And the local my local CBS affiliate aired the uh, the Falcons and Titans, so I had nothing. There you go. Uh, let's turn the page. We'll we'll come back to Mississippi State later, um, and and certainly throughout the week as we uh, we move towards a big game on Saturday in Starkville with uh, the Kentucky Wildcats coming to town. Vanderbilt was in Oxford on Saturday night to take on an Ole Miss team that walked in six and one, and we talked all last week about. You know, what Ole Miss needed to do well. And the number one thing that Ole Miss needed to do well was start fast. And they started fast. Opening drive, six plays, 75 yards, minute 39, boom, seven to nothing. By the way, Ole Miss won the game 33 to seven. They led 26 to nothing at the half. But offense wasn't the story. Offense is part of the story, is the offense bogged down at times. Um, a lot it, of times it it missed on a bunch of passing plays where there were plays to be made. The offensive line at times looked really good and at times looked really bad. And Mitch Pettis is at the top of the list. Micah, Micah, Micah Pettis. Sorry, not Mitch. My apologies to Mitch Pettis wherever you are. Did not mean to insult you. Oh, Mitch, Micah Pettis was. Not particularly good. And the crazy, the, the, the like mind-bogglingly frustrating thing is that he's shown you that when he wants to be good, he can be. There's a lot of talent with Micah Pettis when he is fully engaged. That defensive line against Auburn last week was a lot better than the one that Ole Miss saw on Saturday night against Vanderbilt. Micah Pettis was good last week against Auburn. Yeah, Vanderbilt, who cares? We're going to win. Why do I need to get that block when I pull across the line? Boom. Loss of two in the backfield. Why do I need to pick up this blitzing linebacker? Boom, sack. Come on, man. you got to be better than that. That's just no, no, no bueno. And there are a lot of Ole Miss fans that were frustrated. With a performance that resulted in covering a 25-point line, 24-and-a-half-point line, giving up one touchdown 
being dominant defensively and moving to seven and one on the year. You know what's crazy? That was uh, Vanderbilt's worst loss of the season. Yeah. They've played Georgia. They've played Florida. That is their worst loss of the season. Isn't that weird? I mean, people are frustrated, mad, all all this stuff, and and yet that was that was the result. That was their worst offensive output of the season. I mean, it was only a 10-point game with Georgia in the fourth. Now, yeah. transit of property doesn't work and all that, but um, completely and totally dominant, again, for Pete Golding's defense. I know it's Vanderbilt. I know it's Arkansas, but uh, they are doing things – that you didn't expect them to do at this point, at least in August anyway. Vanderbilt had a lead against Ole Miss a year ago at the half. Arkansas scored how many? 50? A 55, billion. 48, whatever the number was a year ago. Auburn scored more on Ole Miss a year ago, even though they lost that ball game. All right, what about the good? We'll do that next. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Sports Talk is brought to you in part by Genteel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi for months, years now. We've been telling you about the golf shirts from Genteel. But you know what? When the weather gets cool outside, you just dig a little deeper into your closet and you pull out the uh, the quarter zips. You, you, you get the pullovers out and you are ready to go. A little quarter zip. Hey, Dan. A little quarter zip. Little Q-zip. Little, little Q-zip. Borky's got one on. I've got one on. We're working on hands. Hey They'll be here before long. Uh, a lot of great colors to choose from. A lot of great styles to choose from. And more outerwear as well. So as it cools off outside, stay warm with Genteel. Stay good looking with Genteel. You're going to love their products. Genteelapparel.com. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. So... Taking a negative start to the conversation about Ole Miss Vanderbilt is probably that was probably a bad idea. And I didn't intend for it to be negative. It just kind of got there. Because Ole Miss did a lot of good, right? I think the negative part of it is after they got off to a really fast start, the game kind of got sluggish and kind of boring on the offensive side. Would you agree that – I mean, I hate saying stuff like this because you can't quantify it. Uh, just, well, they gave up, but – once they got a big lead, it did appear that they, you know, coasted is the word that I'm going to keep using to the finish. They they were they came out of the gate very clearly motivated, focused, locked in, executed, and then when they went up 26 to nothing, I was like, all right, we're done here. You could kind of feel that with with body language and things like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would agree. Really hard to quantify that. It's hard to, but, but but they look they did not look nearly as crisp, yeah, as they did at the outset. Jackson Dart goes nineteen of twenty eight for two hundred forty yards with a touchdown and an interception, and frankly, the interception was just a poorly thrown ball. It should have been a touchdown. He had a receiver wide open. He didn't get enough air under it. Safety came across, picked it off, had a nice return. That should have been a touchdown going the other way. Yeah, 
it does show you uh, how much improvement. Also, should have had a touchdown pass to Hudson Wolf. Yeah, that Sorry. god, that kid deserved that too. With battling through, I mean, what back surgeries and years off, and then he comes back and then makes a great catch and breaks his collarbone and then comes mm-hmm. back and you miss him. But isn't that funny though? I mean, Jackson Dart and I agree, he, he was not good on Saturday night. He he, he looked. Uh, he threw a couple times off platform, uh, missed the, the outside throws that he's been really good at, missed what should have been a couple of touchdown passes, and he was still 19 of 28 for 240. Yeah. Sacked three times in the game. Didn't protect him well. To me, the guy there, there were two guys offensively that stole the show. Number one was number four. Quinshawn Judkins, 17 carries, 124 yards, two touchdowns. He looked slippery. He broke tackles. Uh, showed good acceleration. He ran well on the inside. He ran well on the outside. It was a really solid night. And Quinshawn Judkins, don't look now, he's on pace for another 1,000-yard season. And if he if he pops in one of these next four games for one of those 180, 200-yard games, he could be on pace for 11, 1,200 yards when it's all said and done. The other guy was Dayton Wade, who made one of the best catches that you will see this season in college football. He had eight catches for 120 yards and a touchdown. Trey Harris caught six balls. Jordan Watkins caught three, and then it was a bunch of guys that had one catch. All this did what they were supposed to do, right? They, they went out and they dominated a bad team, and they got a win to go to 7-1, and one, and the next two games are massive on the schedule. Texas A&M at home, Georgia on the road, then ULM, then the Egg Bowl. Yeah. Two-thirds of the way through the season, and that's what's left. That's the main takeaway from, from this game, right? I mean, I mean, we could break down like individual plays and stuff if we want to, but I, I think it, you, you said it. It's simple. They, they, they came out hot. They, they coasted to the finish. They covered a spread, and they got out of it healthy. Now, ideally, you wouldn't have had to play a bunch of guys that they played in the fourth quarter because Vanderbilt got that touchdown, and you had to go back and score another one. And you didn't just completely run away from them to where Walker Howard could have played – uh, two and a half quarters, or or whatever, but they, they came away from it healthy. I think it was eight, what Anthony. It looked like he rolled his ankle or something, but came back in the game. Otherwise, nobody got hurt. Although Judkins trying to hurdle that guy in a game that that you have in complete control. I, I said to my team, I said, "All right, get him out. He, get him out, Lane. No, no, no need for him to take another snap." But that's it. Now it's everything is is so much more important now because. I mean, they are Texas A&M and Mississippi State in between going back to an access bowl. I mean, that's where they are right now. Georgia was impressive Saturday. I think that's a free shot. Going in there with the expectation to win, I think at this point is foolish. No, I'm not saying it's impossible, but a loss there is not "quote unquote" bad. Total free shot. But what happens over the next four weeks? If you get three wins in the next four weeks, you're going back to an access bowl. That's 28 regular season wins in three years. Only would have been bested by Alabama and Georgia in that stretch. It's it's program floor elevating type stuff is what that would be. Hey, Dad, I got a question for you. And this is not like yeah. a gotcha or anything else. Like I mean this genuinely. Your biggest question about Ole Miss going into the year and even through four, five, six games in the season, was about the mm-hmm. defense. Yeah. Have you seen enough? Yeah. Like, like, what is your? I know you've watched not every snap of every game that Ole Miss has played, but you've watched them enough. What What is your impression of what they have become defensively? They're good. That's a good defense. 
You know, they they, they force turnovers. They uh, they they get after the quarterback. They're sure tacklers. Uh, they're well. They're much better coached than they were a season ago. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a good quality SEC defense. And to me, it's the defensive line that stands out the most. Um, they they've just gotten a lot of pressure. Uh, Cedric Johnson had a sack. J.J. Pegues had a sack. Jared Ivey had two and a half sacks. Stephon Wynn had a half a sack. There's five sacks from that defensive line. Five sacks, and not one of them came from a linebacker. All five of them went to defensive linemen in uh, in that game. And, and to me, that was the thing that stood out the most. Not Again, not that Vanderbilt's great or anywhere close to it. they got all kinds of issues at quarterback. I mean, they, they started Ken Seals in the game. And before the first half was over, they went to Walter Taylor, and he went the rest of the way. He's a big dude, can run too. I mean, a lot of work, like with fundamentals throwing the football. Uh, his his mechanics are all over the place, but mm-hmm. he's big and he can run. Yeah. The lefty ball comes out of his hand. It yeah. comes out of his hand nicely. Now, where it goes after it comes out of his hand, that's a different deal, but it, it spins nicely through the air. But Vanderbilt does have some weapons in the passing game. Junior Sherrill's a good player. Will Shepard is a really good player. Ole Miss held him to four catches for 17 yards. That's a scheme problem, too. Vanderbilt's got to figure out a way to get Will Shepard the ball more. Yeah. He's an NFL player. He is. He he, he will be. He absolutely will be. Um. Man, he had some success running the football, but nothing sustained. And Ole Miss gave up some yards. They gave up 169 on the ground, but only 60 through the air. I mean, that that is the kind of defensive performance that a year ago, you could, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you could have only dreamed of. Yeah. And they're, they're what, what? They have 229 yards allowed on 64 plays. That's. That's silly. And to do that for four quarters in a game like this, too, I think is impressive. It was something that we talked about a little bit this summer, but I think you're seeing um, the the results of of the talking point. This was a team that was heavily dependent on portal players to, to build this defense. They, they used the portal a lot, and it was a lot of late additions. But remember what we talked about with, with who they were? It wasn't like the one-year Texas A&M reject that they added all over this defense. It was a guy that played multiple years at Louisville linebacker, multiple years at uh, UCF at linebacker, four years at Alabama on the defensive line, three or four years uh, at NC State on the defensive line, multiple years from James Madison on the defensive line, multiple years at Miami, and so on and so on. They added a bunch of guys that have played a lot of football. And so what you're seeing, I think, is the results of really good coaching, don't get me wrong, Uh, but... That really good coaching is is being done to players that are really experienced. How often do they make mistakes? Now, they're lacking in personnel in some spots on that defense for sure. But how often do they bust coverages? How often are they totally out of position? Teams have to work at it uh, to, to beat them. I mean, even LSU, Daniels had to be perfect. I mean, he was perfect that night. So it's a it's a... Seemingly a mature, experienced team that is always in the right spot, and they make the plays when they're there. They create havoc. They create turnovers. They're among the best in the country at both of those things. 
And I think it was a really nice mix of experienced portal players that came in and understood their role and are mature and are executing and playing really smart football. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We've got more coming up. Half an hour left in this 4 o'clock hour. We'll look at some of what else happened in the SEC. We'll take our first peek forward toward this weekend. We've got winners and losers in the 5 o'clock hour and more. What we're going to do right here is go back. Now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Uh, let's go to the ceasefire text line 601 879 4395. Ole Miss is an above average team in a down SEC. If I am AM, I absolutely expect to beat Ole Miss. Again, you only play your schedule, but what really good team has Ole Miss beat? Tulane? LSU, I guess. But there is a lot of parity right now. Well, which is it? Is it nobody's good or is there a lot of parity? Because everybody's level of play has risen. For the record, and look, you can get off into metrics and you can find statistics to tell you whatever you want them to tell you. But Ole Miss currently has the number five strength of record in the entire country. What is strength of record? It is a formula that reflects the chance that an average top 25 team would have a team's record or better given the schedule. So, you know, Ole Miss is number five in the strength of record category, 13 in the football power index, 11 in the AP poll, 10th in strength of schedule overall. Okay. <laughs> the, the ain't played nobody thing could not possibly apply to, to them this year. I, I mean, th- th- this guy's telling us that LSU hasn't played yeah. anybody. Well, they beat Missouri on the road. Well, Missouri sucks. Well, Missouri 7-1 with a win over Kansas State. I mean, you know, talking in circles there. Yeah. Last year, the ain't played anybody at this point was a fair, valid criticism of Ole yes. Miss. It is not this year. Yeah. It is not this year. And they could. And that's the thing about this A and M game is it, it's certainly losable. I, I, for all the thinly veiled shots at Jimbo Fisher, Lane was taking today. He was not kidding when he was talking about the talent that they have amassed on that roster. There's an A&M fan in my Twitter mentions right now. Why is Lane so jealous of Jimbo? You are completely missing what he's is jealous of. Is the same of. one? Is the same one? No, I blocked that guy. He, he's done. Oh. Um, you found another one? How do you do this? I don't know. But Look, no, when, you, when you when you make a mark that says Texas eight and four in their font, you're you're on the radar. Hey, Dad. Yeah, no, yeah, asking for it. Yeah. It's Aggies today. Your number one source for anything Texas A&M football with twenty five thousand followers. I'm like, guys. He's not jealous of Jimbo, you idiots. He's jealous of your money. 
That's what he's that's what he said today. He he used the, he used the phrase collected the roster like ten times at his press conference today. Hey Dad, I don't know if you've watched it or seen the transcript, but he didn't refer to Texas A and M as recruiting players. Nope. Or buying players. He kept referring to them as collecting players. <laughs> but That's what you do when you you collect things that you don't use. And, and, and he said he said Whoever it is that's responsible for collecting all those players, they did a great job. Uh, he hates he, – he thinks Jimbo is awful at coaching football because he's not kidding about the roster, though. That is a defensive line filled with NFL players. He said that John Garrison, the offensive line coach, is like he's going to not like the highlight cut-up that we give to him today in his team meeting. He's not going to like what A&M presents to his group because they're big, physical, nasty, deep. They're really good at wide receiver. I mean, a couple of NFL guys there, good enough at tight end. I mean, they, they can come to they can come to Ole Miss and win that game for sure. A&M's strength is something that has bothered Ole Miss, and it's it's protecting the passer. Now, on the flip side, they can't protect Max, Max Johnson to save his life. I mean, he's going to get killed. South Carolina had great success pressuring the quarterback on Saturday. I mean, and, and Shane Beamer would sign the contract in blood to trade Ole Miss's defensive front for his. I mean, he pulled the knife out and cut his hand right there and signed it in his. I mean, South Carolina's bad there. So, but through all the joking and, and stuff and taking shots at Jimbo was a lot of truth. It's a very, very talented Texas A&M team that hasn't put it together because they're coached by Jimbo, but man. The right Saturday, and they can beat you. They're talented enough to beat you. So, when you look at A&M's schedule this year, they gave up 10 and a win to to, uh, New Mexico. They gave up 48 in Week 2 to Miami. And I watched that, what I could of that game, from a hotel room in Syracuse. I really only watched the fourth quarter. I need to go back and watch that game. And see how it is that Miami did what they did. They allowed 10 points against an anemic Auburn offense. Arkansas scored 22 on them. Alabama scored 26. Tennessee scored 20. South Carolina scored 17. So that defense outside of the Miami game is not giving up much. They're just not. They're giving up an average of what? About about 20 points a game. Rattler's been beaten up all season. I mean, his front's not good. He hasn't been protected all season. And even he was uncomfortable in that spot. On I mean, he had three in the first half, three intentional grounding penalties. He was terrified. And all season, he's looked comfortable being on the run most of the game. And he wasn't, man. I mean, they, they are... And Lane was asked about it today, about the familiarity with uh, DJ Durkin, having coached under him and all that. He gave an interesting answer. He said, what Ole Miss was doing offensively when Durkin was there, it's just not the same anymore. There's no more material advantage for Durkin being on the other sideline because even in just two years, what they do offensively is totally different. What about Kentucky? Mississippi State hosting Kentucky on Saturday. 
it is I mean if Mississippi State's going to a bowl game they have to beat Kentucky on Saturday is that is that straightforward enough do you disagree with that hey Dan no not at all Kentucky is coming off a stretch of playing at Georgia and then back-to-back home games against Missouri and Tennessee, and they lost all three of them. They had not lost prior to those three games. So they've gone from 5-0 and to 5-3 and and have lost 51-13, 38-21, 33-27. So I guess Kentucky has gotten progressively better over the last three weeks. What does it look like on you Saturday? You can say that, yeah. Yeah, what what does it look like on Saturday night in Starkville? Hey, Dan. Well, the uniforms will be really sharp. Yeah, now, as those long are as Kentucky fantastic. doesn't wear those chrome helmets, that's not their best. Yeah, helmet. yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Um, I expect it to look the way it looks when teams play Mississippi State that haven't just tapped out on their season the way Arkansas has. I expect Devin Leary to complete seventy plus percent of his passes. I expect Ray Davis to be over 100 yards rushing, and I expect Kentucky to get what they want offensively and for Mississippi State to not be able to be successful on offense themselves, and they'll lose the game. Hope you're not listening, Slim Smith. I got no uh, no uh, positivity to give you this week. You're done, huh? Well, I mean... It's not even – what would I have? Look, no, look no, at this no, team. I'm not, look at the I'm way not, they play. I'm not being judgmental when I say that. Like, yeah. I don't I, know that's exactly where this team what is. I expected from you, but that was not it. That, just look – I mean, I've watched the games. I've watched them play. And outside of that one game against Arkansas where they played a team that clearly wasn't into the game and, and wasn't giving 100%, and now they've had to fire their offensive coordinator and pay him $4 million as a result of that. I mean, when, when have they been good this year? Again, I said it earlier. Teams teams are completing 70-plus percent of their passes against Mississippi State. Daniels, I mean, Rattler. Rattler is not 18 of 20 good, but he was against Mississippi State. Western Michigan's quarterback, who isn't good. That's not a good football team, but he was successful against Mississippi State, and then Peyton Thorne, who has literally not thrown the ball against a Power 5 opponent for more than 140 yards, as you said earlier this year. He looks like Peyton Manning in the first half of that game. And State just can't do anything. So why would I think anything different is going to happen this Saturday? You have... No, I'm not going to phrase that as a statement. Have you come to the conclusion? And, and look, I'm not trying to paint you into a corner here. Hey, that says what he thinks at the time and has always said, presented with new information, he reserves the right to change his mind. But as you sit here on the 30th of October, you think the whole thing's over. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll wrap up the 4 o'clock hour with you after this.
sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi. was a beauty from South Alabama. Her daddy had a heart like a nine-pound hammer. Think he even did a little time in the slammer. What was I thinking? She snuck out one night and met me by the front gate. Her daddy came out waving that 12-gauge. We tore Welcome out. back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You can join the conversation on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. World Series game 3 tonight. The World Series has moved west to Phoenix. It's tied 1-1. The Rangers won game 1. The Diamondbacks won game 2. And yes, I flipped it on the other night and Jane goes, "I had no idea the World Series was happening." I said, "Eh, you're probably not the only one." Not a lot of attention for the Rangers and the Diamondbacks. Um, Dave and Ripley, Mississippi State fan, says, I'm tapped out too. Jeremy in Columbia, I'm with you, hey, Dad. I wonder how a defensive-minded head coach can run a team with so many veterans on defense and be so poor. That's a very valid, fair question. Zach in Oxford says, I'm sorry, brother. I love your honesty. Fact of the matter is, we've all been there. Another one says, State has one win left, maybe. So, hmm. Probably just a. uh, I'll skip on that one. We do have winners and losers coming up. That will be to start the 5 o'clock hour. You can send us yours on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. What about the rest of the SEC this weekend? Light slate. There are only three other games. You had, you had four teams taking their open date. If I remember correctly from when we looked at the schedule, all of the open dates were over a three-week span, right? You, you had... Four or five teams the first week, and then four or five last week, and then four, I think, this past week, and that's it. No open dates the rest of the way. Everybody's playing. Not everybody's playing. Conference games the whole time, but everybody's playing. Georgia 43, Florida 30. Anything stand out for you? Opening drive, scripted, kind of, Florida just marches down the field, slices Georgia's defense up like Swiss cheese. They hold Georgia to a field goal, and then the onslaught began. It, it kind of went the way I, I, I said that it would. I thought that Georgia was, was going to unleash on Florida, that I don't think Florida's very good. I think Florida will get a win this weekend. They play Arkansas. And then that's going to be that for them as far as wins. I think they'll finish 6-6 six and six because their next three are at LSU, at Missouri, and then they play Florida State at home. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't think they're winning any of those games. Um, and then Georgia, I think Georgia is finally tired of playing with its food. 
I, I think they're they're starting to they're starting to heat up a little bit. They they you know they've heard us talk, and they're kind of tired of it. also. Kirby Smart absolutely dropped a nuclear bomb on Dan Mullen. Murder reported. Unbelievable. I couldn't believe he said that. I was just like, gosh. Okay. He's not wrong. He doesn't like to recruit. So, Post-game press conference, somebody asked him about being predicted to lose. He's like, I don't really watch that stuff, but a friend of mine texted me that Dan Mullen predicted us to lose in this game, and I was like, what? Really? What? Uh, okay, I thought we were friends. He never liked to recruit anyway. Just like throws it in. I mean, like has nothing to do really with Kill the him. answer to the question. Other, than, he didn't like to recruit anyway. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and and did you hear the up close of the reporter? The reporter who asked the yeah, question gasped. Went, <gasps> Just gasped. It was like can't believe he did that. That was great. Tennessee over Kentucky. That was a pretty good game, wasn't it? It was. And uh, the timing cannot be more perfect for uh, Mississippi State welcoming in Kentucky after Devin Leary played his best game of the season. Oh, you just thought he played his best game. That's coming. <laughs> I mean, he, he had been bad relative to expectations. Yeah. I mean, really not looking like what he was uh, when healthy at NC State. And then... There were flashes of that on Saturday for sure. Really good game, though. Great meltdown, too, of one of the guys from Kentucky Sports Radio uh, in their post-game video. Like, you would think it's a parody of somebody making fun of what you would think the Kentucky Sports Radio guy's take on the game would be. But I hope his friends, like, checked on him. Who was it? It wasn't Matt Jones. It was one one of the staff guys. But five o'clock hour is coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll start things off with winners and losers. Then we'll get to some of the games that we hit in the Blitz to start the show today, some of the national games of interest. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Five o'clock hour on this Monday, the 30th of October. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. I've been telling you all about fall golf. Maybe not today. Today might not be. Has it rained on you guys as much as it has rained in North Mississippi? We are still in extreme drought conditions. Got a little bit of a drizzle today. Forgot what that looked like. Okay. We got a little bit of rain up here. Yeah. It rained from, I don't know, I think I first I guess. got up to let one of the dogs out at 4 a.m. and it still was raining at like 10 or 11 this morning. So, I guess in relation to you, it's, it's down here. 
but you know, either way. Correct. You're, you're yeah. right. It is south of. Um, so yeah, uh, a little cold today, but Dancing Rabbit Golf, you got some great weather coming up for the rest of the week. Abundant sunshine, highs in the mid 50s. Great time to get out on the golf course and enjoy some fall golf. DancingRabbitGolf.com. Go there to book your tee time. To plan your trip, just give them a call and uh, tell them what your needs are, and they will help. That's at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Uh, C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from C Spire. It's the phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you, and it's just $30 a month with auto pay. Connect and Protect gives you tools to easily track your kids' location, restrict content, limit screen time, and help protect them online. Plus, right now you can get the iPhone 12 for less than $11 a month or get a free TCL Stylus 5G. No trade-in needed. Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire customer inspired. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough, but you can test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Let's reverse what I suggested before the break. Let's uh, let's look at some scores, and then we'll get to winners and losers coming up at uh, at 5:20. So, kind of started looking at the. It was just a light weekend in the SEC. And the games weren't great. They, they, they just weren't. Tennessee, Florida, or Tennessee, Kentucky was probably the most entertaining SEC game of the weekend. Yeah. I mean, A&M Easy. South Carolina was just yuck to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I tried. Just kind of yuck. But there were some pretty good games nationally. Did you guys find yourself watching much of Kansas and Oklahoma? Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with it when they had the weather delay, it allowed, you know, once the A and M game was out of control, I just flipped over and watched Oklahoma for most part. Yeah, if I'm a Michigan booster right now, I know they love Harbaugh and and all that, but man, I see all this going on, and you know what? He's a mess. He's a cheater. He wants to go to the NFL anyway. Send him packing. You've got cause now. As Peter Burns said on his show yesterday, if Harbaugh was four and four, Michigan would have self investigated and fired his you know what by now. But they're undefeated, so they're not doing that. Do that, and then go get Lance Leopold. Rid yourself of the scandals, because there's a bunch of them, and go get Lance Leopold, because he is a rock star. What he's done at Kansas, how fun that offense is, recruiting's picking up, and I mean, and it's not like he is, he's like Deion Sanders, where he flipped the roster and brought in a bunch of portal guys because he had all this influx of money and attention. He had to start winning with Kansas players first, and he did that. He's yeah. he's a star. And this is with a backup quarterback. Which do you like more? I mean, if we're going to stick with the Sunflower State, do you like the job that Leopold's doing at Kansas or Kleiman's doing at Kansas State better? Kansas is a more difficult job. so And Kleiman took a little bit longer, but... Aren't both of those jobs a perfect demonstration of don't overcomplicate a coaching search? You you, you can never bat a thousand. It's impossible. But Lance Leopold's not a Kansas guy, but he was winning. 
So they went and hired him. Chris Kleiman was a national cha- a multi-year, I mean, just winning national championships back after back after back at North, uh, at North Dakota State. Just go get a winner, and he'll figure it out, more likely than not, and look at where they sit. You don't have to find an alum or some hotshot new coordinator. Go get a winner and look at what you become. I really thought that Utah had a great chance to pull off an upset. Plus six and a half. I mean, I guess Me an too. upset. Me too. They'd, they'd won 29 of 30 at home. In fact, there were three or four underdogs this weekend that I really liked. And those underdogs outside of Arizona did not perform well. Duke got blanked in their game against Louisville. Utah had... No shot against Oregon. Bo Nix is in the Heisman conversation, but he's not anybody's front runner. Should he be? Who should be? I still think it's Penix. Until they lose? Yeah. You think, I think you think, I think the your guy too, quarterback Borky. in the Pac-12 championship I think, game. Maybe I think Borky's guy. I think Marvin Harrison is climbing up the board because he's just so dominant each and every week. Yeah, he's making a case now. Is he going to have the numbers? I mean, if it was really, well, I mean, if it was really the the award was really supposed to go to the best player in college football, it would go to him. No questions asked. If he had stayed healthy. Would it have gone to Brock Bowers if that was probably the criteria? He, he's 11 yeah. yards away from 900 this year. They've got four games to play. Talking about Marvin Harrison Jr.? Yeah. 48 catches for yeah. 889 yards and eight touchdowns. You so, guys may be so, on to something. I mean, he's on pace to finish for, what, 72 catches for four, you know, 1,400 yards? Something like that. His last four weeks. How many touchdowns does he have? Nine. So he's got eight right now. 13, 14. Have 13, 14 touchdowns. I mean, that's that's good enough. Last four weeks. Eight receptions, 163, a touchdown against Maryland. Six for 105, a touchdown against Purdue. 11 for 162, and a touchdown against Penn State with that defense. And six for 123, and a couple of touchdowns against Wisconsin. Those are his last four games. Well, and, and he's going to have some opportunities. I mean, big, big viewership, everybody eyes on. When you look at what is left on the schedule for Ohio State, they got a game at Rutgers this week that's on CBS at 11 a.m. Their Michigan State game is in primetime at 6.30 on NBC. They play Minnesota, which is a good defense and then an 11 a.m. game against Michigan on Fox on the road with 20 million people watching. Especially with the scandal, too. I mean, you might break a viewership. If Michigan and Ohio State go into that game undefeated with the Harbaugh sign-stealing scandal, and what will that be, number two versus number three or, or something like that, if, if they don't, depending on what the committee does with Georgia, yeah, you might break a viewership record that day for a regular season game. In terms of pure numbers, does it take him 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns to win it? That, that would be good enough. 
Yeah. And by the way, you'll have the Big Ten championship. They need to let him return punts. Need to let him return punts. Give him the Desmond Howard treatment. Ooh. Ooh. Maybe so. Those Colorado Heisman contenders have faded a little bit, haven't they? <laughs> uh, everything in Colorado has faded a little bit. But that's, again, that's okay. Totally. They are still September better story. than... They are still 100 times better than they were last year. They'll probably sneak away with one more win this year, maybe. But it doesn't matter. Locker room allegedly got broken into and items stolen from players during their game in uh, Pasadena this weekend. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if it's because of who he is or just terrible luck, but there has been two locker room getting broken into stuff stolen stories in college football. Luckily, the first one ended up really not being true. It was just a misplacement, but... They both involved Deion Sanders. Jackson State a couple years ago, remember his stuff got stolen out of his locker, and now Colorado at UCLA, yeah. locker room gets broken into, and players, I mean, expensive jewelry that they had, you know, what you would think is in a safe place, after the game they realize it's gone. Who had the most impressive performance in college football this weekend? You said it earlier. Oregon. Was it Oregon or was it Louisville? Yeah, Oregon. Nah, it's Oregon. Because of who they're Oregon were going on the road and winning like, yeah, and to dominate like that, yeah. Somebody says Marvin Harrison is plus twelve hundred on my book. Penix plus two seventy five. Jaden Daniels plus bet Harrison. JJ McCarthy plus that's good value. That's, that's good really value for Harrison. We'll be back. Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. I know we'll get to lines tomorrow, and we'll have our fishy line of the week tomorrow as well. But just a quick peek, if you haven't taken a look at the schedule for this coming weekend. Ohio State is at Rutgers. Rutgers is 6-2. and two. That makes that a semi-interesting game. Top 25 matchup in Austin with Kansas State at Texas. A&M at Ole Miss. Notre Dame at Clemson. Um, Arizona State at UA. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Army Air Force. Army is not good this year, but Air Force is undefeated. Top 15 matchup in Athens with Missouri and Georgia. Penn State is at Maryland. Maryland in a little little bit of a tailspin. Bedlam on the 4th of November. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State for the last time for probably a long time. Virginia Tech playing better at Louisville. What a shame that is, by the way. I know feelings are hurt about Oklahoma's move to the SEC, but if you really wanted to play the game, you could. You could. Number 5, Washington at number 24, USC. That's a losable game. I know Grinch's defense has been the butt of many jokes this season because, well, watch them play and you'll see why. But, man, any team that's got Caleb Williams on it, uh, it's on the road, haven't been playing well the last couple of weeks, there's there's an upset spot right there. LSU at Alabama Saturday night at Bryant-Denny on CBS. 
Oregon State at Colorado, UCLA at Arizona. That could be fun late on FS1. There's some good games this weekend, some really good games this coming weekend. All right, let's uh, let's get to winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never win. What'd you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? Send us yours on the ceasefire text line. Your winners and losers, 601 879 Four three nine five. Hey, Dad, start us off, if you will, with a winner. Kind of a roundabout winner here, but Iowa. Iowa is a winner today because their interim athletic director, and, and give her a lot of credit for doing this, she's made it official that Brian Ferentz will not be back next season, released a statement that basically said, we can't take this you-know-what no mo." is how that that statement went. The statement does not have a quote in it from head coach and Brian's father, Kirk Ferentz. But Iowa, I mean, we were talking about them today at the press conference. They're a consistent 7-8-9 win team year in and year out. But if they were even average offensively, they would be a consistent 10-11 win team year in and year out. And that is that's something you you can you it's tangible. So they made it's a tough decision. They're going to let him finish out the year, which is weird, but whatever. And but they will move forward next year, and we'll see if they can move into the modern day of college football. I, I want to read you this statement because it's one of the oddest athletic director statements you've ever heard. Anyone who loves Iowa football recognizes both the success and challenges that have brought attention to our program this season. Our struggles on offense, coupled with the offensive coordinator's contract make this a unique situation. After conversations with Coach Kirk Ferentz, Coach Brian Ferentz, and President Wilson, I informed Brian that our intention is for him to be with us through the bowl game, but this is his last season with the program. Making this known today is in the best interest of the program and its loyal fans. It provides clarity during this pivotal time in the schedule. It is not my practice to be involved in assistant coaching decisions and certainly not to make public such a change during a season. Our priority is to put all our student-athletes in the best position to have both short-term and long-term success on and off the field. Our football team has a group of outstanding young men and talented athletes who at 6-2 and two have a lot to play for. As a former athlete, I know every opportunity to put on the jersey is a cherished one. As Hawkeyes, let's continue to support all our coaches, staff, and student-athletes in their pursuit of a Big Ten championship and a bowl game victory. Whew. That reads like... We went to Kirk about this, and he said, no, I'm not going to do it, so I said we're going to do it. And that's just how you're going to have to be. And if you want to quit, you can quit, too. That's what she did. Borky, give me a winner. A.J. Brown uh, set a record on Saturday in their win. He is now the first wide receiver in NFL history. I thought I said yesterday. You said Saturday. They said Saturday. Oh, whatever. Which yeah, made no, me look no, up. Well, uh, so I was just like, I wasn't sure. Yeah, uh, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, the day he played football was uh, cemented his legacy uh, as a one of one, the only receiver ever to have 125 yards in six consecutive games. 
Nine for 131, nine for 175, six for 127, seven for 131, ten for 137, and eight for 130. He is dominating the National Football League. Physicality, speed, hands. He's a complete receiver. And uh, did you did, have you watched the Titans play this year? Probably could have helped them some, I think. And yet, the Titans are my winner. Their throwback uniforms to the Houston Oilers this weekend were spectacular. Kind of forgot how good the Oilers uniforms are. And then my loser is kind of tied to the same thing. Have you seen the story where the Tennessee Titans and their owner, in conjunction with the NFL licensing and merchandising wing, has sent a cease and desist order to the University of Houston who did H-Town throwback uniforms earlier this season where they wore knockoff Oilers uniforms, and um, the NFL has said, no, you, you can't do that. I don't know if the Houston Cougars are going to go along with this or they're going to try and fight it in court or if it's just not worth it, but that feels a little petty, right? Yeah. I mean, Is Tillman going to? Is he gonna? Is he gonna fund them? He's like, let's go. I'm willing to fight the NFL. Let's go. I don't know. Does he want to own an NFL team one day? Eh, I don't know. He's already got an NBA team. If he wants to own an NFL team, he's probably not going to fight against the NFL right now. There's one more winner, by the way, from all this this Titans thing. Yeah. Just like we all predicted, Will Levis is a total stud. We nailed that one, boys. Goodness gracious. He's just out there flinging the ball down the field. Four uh, touchdowns. Incredible. Of the the three quarterbacks that were taken highly in the first round of the draft, he had the best starting debut. Better than Bryce Young. Better than C.J. Stroud. Significantly better than both. He was good. He was really good yesterday. Really good. Let's see it again. I appreciated that as a DeAndre Hopkins owner. Yeah. No, he was good. Let's see it again, though, because the Bears had a guy, an undrafted Division II quarterback, who whose last start was a loss to the Colorado School of Mines, come in and win a game for them. And then week two, uh, last <laughs> that's night... Why that's so funny. He Colorado School of Mines. That's what it is. And, Not to yeah. be confused with the Colorado School of Mimes. You, don't, you don't definitely don't want to lose to them. Another winner for uh, for me, and I don't know, Dak Prescott, 25 of 31 for 304 with four touchdowns yesterday in a 43-20 win over the Los Angeles Rams. Dak played really well in that game yesterday. Yeah. And he's played really he's well. He's had back-to-back good games, hasn't he? Two yeah. or three weeks in a row. Was it two weeks in a yeah. row where he's the highest-rated passer in the NFL? Yeah. 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 Playing well. Yeah, Playing well. I've got one. Us today. The only time this year. Shout out to uh, our friend JT oh, over Sports the news Equinox. department. It's Sports yeah. Equinox Day. The only day this year where you get NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL all with games all on the same day. The best time of year, but the best day in that time. Sports Equinox Day. I kind of wish we had something other than Las Vegas and Detroit tonight. I mean, Detroit's fun to watch. It'll be a great atmosphere in Detroit for yeah. Monday Night Football. Yeah. But 
You take what you can get. Yeah, you take what you can get. No doubt. No doubt. Was there another winner, hate Ed, or did you want to transition to the dark side? <laughs> Good. Now we can go, we can go to the Darkness, my old friend. Go ahead. I'm not going any farther with <laughs> my it sport. That. My sport Saturday. I, I woke up at 6.30 in the morning to watch Chelsea lose to Brentford 2-0. That was fun. Uh, then I watched uh, Mississippi State. Get handled in Auburn. That was outstanding. And then I was, my only thought was, well, you know, I know Ole Miss is going to win, but maybe I was right about Vanderbilt covering. No, I wasn't right about that either. So just a really rough day. But, but you know, it, it'll be okay. Borky, loser. 6.30 a.m. Yeah, not uh, good. How can it not be Dabo? <laughs> Death taxes and and losers. I mean, 500. They're 500 just a couple weeks after he said, it's good that we lost because we have too many fans. Good seats available on the bandwagon, perhaps? It would stand to reason. We'll grab some of your winners and losers coming up next. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple Eight Eight Zero Eight Eight Six Three Seven on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. There is a ton that is happening over the next few weeks as we roll toward holly jolly holidays. They've got the ice rink that's going to be open. Uh, There's a pretty, there's a, a Christmas series that is being filmed in Oxford. In uh, early November, we'll tell you more about that coming up and how you could uh, potentially be involved uh, with that and a whole lot more activities that are on the way. Be sure to follow all of their social media channels for updates, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at Visit Oxford MS. Let's go to some of your winners and losers on the C Spire text line winner. The Denver Broncos, after beating the Kansas City Chiefs, Trolling the Chiefs by playing Taylor Swift's Shake It Off after the win. I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Pr- pretty, there you go. pretty darn good. Dwayne and Brandon. Losers. Grown kids, at least numerically, not mentally. Throwing snowballs at players after they were told to stop. He is referencing the Air Force... Colorado State game in Colorado Springs over the weekend. Um, yeah, Colorado State was penalized 15 yards for unsportsmanlike conduct. You want to hear the call? It's so funny. Let's do it. For the play, unsportsmanlike conduct on the Colorado State bench. Will you please, will the audience please refrain from throwing snowballs? We'll continue to cost... 
Colorado State. Now, important to note, there was a warning. Oh, they'd been warned previously. They continued to throw snowballs, and they were assessed a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Hey. Sound like an eighth grader who was being forced to speak to the assembly there. He's just like, um, uh, Webster's Dictionary defines a penalty as, I mean, have a little courage in your convictions there. Fifteen yards, you idiots. Unsportsmanlike conduct on you and you and you and you. Stop throwing snowballs. But all of you morons, all of you Colorado hillbillies, just, just embrace the heel promo. Get after it. Dwayne and Brandon with a winner as well. He says, Joe Burrow, this is a good one. He was 28 of 32 for 283 yards and three touchdowns, sacked three times yesterday. It is by far the best that Joe Burrow has looked at any point this season. It makes you wonder if perhaps he is finally getting completely healthy because he's a difference maker when he's healthy. They still got to figure out a way to protect him, don't they? Yes. Um, winner, Auburn for finding an offense. They might misplace it on the way to Nashville next Saturday, but I hope not. That's from Russell in Edwards. Thank you, Russell. Um, Ben says, hey, guys, even though Delta State was off, D2 playoffs are regionalized, and top seven from each region go. Delta State is currently number two in Region 2. They play the eighth-place team, West Georgia, on Saturday Two games left in the regular season. Yeah, the entire season for Delta State has been a win. They, they had that first loss, last, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before. Uh, Graham, loser. The Camaro pace car at the NASCAR race. The car broke down and had to be towed off the racetrack. A Ford F-150 service truck was brought out of the bullpen to take over. That's from Graham. A reminder that the college football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. You can test drive one today. (laughs) Well played. Oh, that's good. Uh, Winner, Ole Miss did not play well and still won in dominating fashion. Yes, it was Vandy, but Ole Miss still a winner. Uh, There are a few others here. Stat for you uh, on that note. Three separate wide receivers for Ole Miss now over 500 yards on the season. So you got Watkins and Harris and um, Wade. And they're all almost equal in terms of yards as well. It's not like there's one with 1,000 and then other two that just hit five. They're all basically equal in in terms of yards this season. Um, That speaks to scheme and also quarterback play. He's distributing the football well. Jordan Watkins, 39 catches for 580 yards, averaging 15 yards a catch. Dayton Wade, 36 for 522, 14 and a half yards per catch. Trey Harris, one fewer game in seven games. He's got 27 catches for 536, averaging 20 yards per catch. And the three of those guys combined have 11 receiving touchdowns. It's really six for Harris, too. He only played, what, four snaps in Tuscaloosa, just tried to go and couldn't. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. And only three snaps in the two-lane game. He just happened to score on the opening possession when he got hurt. Yeah. Jackson Dart this year has thrown for 2,080 yards and 14 touchdowns with four interceptions. So he's on pace for a 3,000-yard season. 
With what, 21 yeah, should, touchdowns and six or seven picks? They should announce the Connerly finalists pretty soon and talk about a runaway winner, Jackson Dart. I think so. Don't they do it? Who else? Isn't it? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know who well, else you would not. Everybody else in the. Every, well, for Ole Miss, I mean, it's got to be Dart. And then, I mean, there's nobody at state putting up those kind of numbers. There's nobody at USM putting up those kind of numbers. And. It's just difficult for the small schools to win. I mean, I don't, I don't know their stats off the top of my head, but I think it's just an easy pick. That Dart will be first on my ballot, assuming nothing changes between now and then, which I doubt it will. You know who I think they should nominate, though? Harris. Ole Miss? Trey Harris. I think they should nominate Harris. Ah. He's missing the forest for the trees there, I think. Who gets him the ball? Right, but that can be said about every wide receiver out there. I mean, if Marvin I mean, Harrison's so good, I, who gets him the ball? I, I mean, I get, I get what you're saying, but Dart's getting the ball to – you just mentioned there's three receivers with over 500 yards. That's Dart distributing and getting the ball to them. Yeah. Yeah. My line of thinking is I think Harris is better at wide receiver than Jackson Dart is at quarterback, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I – Kind of think you're splitting hairs when you do it that way. Yeah. Like I, I get what you're saying. Just quarterbacks, also, just always an easy. Just I'll just give it to the quarterback. Those do with Heisman. Just give it to the quarterback. And I would like to see some distribution among positions. So I'm going to advocate for that when I can. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I think seven of the last nine Connerly winners have not been quarterbacks. It's not like it's been a super quarterbacky award. Last year's winner was a running back. Elijah Moore won it the year before that, or won it two years before that. Jeff Simmons has won it. Gabe Jackson has won it. I mean, it's been plenty of, of different positions. Y'all will not like this winner, but winner, MSU fans, because we're one step closer to a change. Uh, You're right. I don't like that one. I mean, I, I get it. I hear you. I just... I just hate the idea of ever – I mean, I guess that's more finding a silver lining if you believe that's what's necessary in losses. I just hope it's not you're cheering for losses so you can get your desired outcome because that's a mm. – Well, that and, – and let's not pretend like it won't be a difficult situation to navigate for Zach Selman. Now, look, if they if they lose this weekend and they lose to Ole Miss and they lose to A&M, then, I mean, it, it's hard to imagine you doing something else. But going two and fired, Mike Leach, one and fired, is not something that's going to be particularly received well. Now, that doesn't mean you can't go hire a coach. It doesn't mean that, that they should have some money because the Zach Arnett's contract is going to be very cheap for them to get out of relative to other contracts in the SEC for sure. But... They are going to have to answer more questions than most SEC jobs would have to answer because of Moorhead going two and Q and Arnett going one and Q. I know he was hired under unique circumstances, but still, guys are going to have questions. Why? With Moorhead, though, you have you have an answer. He, he had lost control of his locker room. His his starting linebacker knocked his starting quarterback out at well, practice. Well, some people w- were convinced or were trying to convince all of us that that di- actually totally didn't happen and everything was fine. Not it you. It totally but, happened. But, but other people. It uh, totally happened. And then with Arnett, I mean, I think you just tell them straight up. It's like, 
We brought him in. We, we felt like we needed continuity at that moment. We set ourselves up to be able to get rid of him if, if we needed to, and he clearly showed he, he, it, it wasn't going to work out. You can absolutely explain your decisions. Yeah. But you've still made those decisions. You've still made those decisions, yeah. And the, the one thing I think is true for State in this next hire, if that's the way they go, they got to have to get a head coach. They can't go the coordinator route. They need a proven head coach. So my response is, dude, we're just highly disappointed. I understand him saying that. No, no, I I, I understand. Like, I, I get it. I get it. I just have a really hard time with, and, and I'm not suggesting that, that anybody that has texted today is in this category, but these people do exist. I hope my team loses so I can see a change. That's a tough mentality to wrap your head around. We're back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices. Plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoons starting at 3 on supertalk.fm. The Supertalk Mississippi app. And always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Sports Talk Mississippi, thanks for being with us. Luke Johnson will join us tomorrow. We'll talk in more detail about the Southern Miss game as the Golden Eagles went to Boone, North Carolina. Guys, I know it's a zero-sum deal. You either win or you lose. And when you fall to 1-7 and seven on the year, it's like, okay, it's just another loss. If you're a Southern Miss fan, do you take any solace in the fact that you, you put some points on the board, you were more competitive in this game, just couldn't close it out at the end? If this if this was like week four or five, if you were one and three, one and four, maybe at this point, no. Uh, I think it it's more like you had it, you had a lead, and you blew it. Forty eight twenty eight was the final, and again, the the tough part of that is that Southern Miss actually led thirty eight twenty eight in this game. In the fourth quarter. They had a 10-point fourth quarter lead. And it was 38-35 with 11.5 to play. And then Appalachian State took the lead on a 61-yard touchdown run with 6.37 to play, up 42-38. And then a touchdown pass with eight seconds left to uh, make it a 48-38 game. Yeah, I mean, did some nice things offensively. Uh, and so there's that, I guess. But, yeah, in, in year three against a team with a losing record in conference, it, it's it's so hard to just be like, well, saw some promise. It's like, you were supposed to be beating teams with losing records in your conference in year three, not taking moral victories away from losing to them, you know? And, and where has this Frank Gore been? 24 carries for 247 yards. He averaged 10.3 per carry. With two touchdowns in the game, that's that's another that's another reason to be disappointed. You you, you finally got your superstar to give you a big game, and you, you couldn't take advantage of it. 
Same thing happened to State against South Carolina. They finally get Rodgers, you know, going. He throws for 487 yards, but they lose. Yeah. Stuff. It's a tough one. Yeah. Where was Frank Gore going into this game? He had 434 yards on the season going in and went for two, what did I say, 247 Saturday? Hmm. Yeah. More than, more than half of his season total in a single game. And that's what he can give you, but goodness, have not gotten much of that through uh, throughout the course of the season. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. You had Mississippi State and Southern Miss play the charity basketball game yesterday, and uh, State came out on top. It was a was it sixty to fifty four or sixty to fifty six? Correct. No, yeah, they're right the first time. Sixty to fifty four was the final. Uh, State won that game, and went for a great cause with with money raised for um, some recent disaster victims in the uh, state of Mississippi. So yeah. a lot of good. I'm trying to get an exact total. I haven't seen that yet. So okay, maybe um, have it tomorrow. Don't you have Ole Miss playing their first exhibition basketball game tonight? <laughs> I think that's right. I think going out on a limb there, and nobody's there to help. I, I think you're right. Yeah, not quite. I have four. no idea. Come on, hey Dad, help me out here. Help me out here. I know Ole Miss, I know Ole Miss football, not basketball. Yeah, no, it is tonight. It's just you can't watch it unless you go. Okay. Oh. They play uh, season opener. Sounds the same as yesterday's. Alabama State a week from today. Uh, yeah, they're playing Tus- Tusculum. I said it right. Tusculum. 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 There you go. That's the uh, exhibition game tonight at 7 o'clock at the Pavilion. Admission is free if you uh, if you want to go. And then the season starts a week from tonight. And that's crazy. Yeah. At Alabama State a week from tonight, uh, 7 o'clock start. At the and Pavilion. State the day after. Next Tuesday? Who do they open with? State opens next Wednesday, uh, the 8th, with Arizona State in the Barstool Invitation. Where is that? Chicago. Wow. That's uh, stepping on out right out of the gate. Yeah. So, fun way to uh, fun way to start the season. Um, is it too early for Christmas decorations to be out in stores? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, we, yes. okay when when is it okay? Because we're two days from November first. I, I will allow it the week of Thanksgiving. If you're selling them, you're going to wait that long. Let's have let's give some respect to the turkey. So yours has everything to do with your love for Thanksgiving and nothing to do with being like an anti-capitalist. Just 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 end hey, the show. Just, just end it now. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studio for Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross. We'll talk to you tomorrow afternoon. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.